0: Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're still at the Nebraska State Fair and a lot of folks are talking about what's happening with weather, early harvest, and of course, a holiday weekend that we're into. Just a reminder, markets are closed on Monday. We won't see anything pick up until Tuesday morning at 8.30. We're gonna talk about that and a volcano underwater that's gonna have an effect on our weather.
1: It may be small, But this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small. But we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska.
0: And welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me, I have got Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors and Mike Zuzlow with Global Commodity Analytics. And uh, interesting time of year, gentlemen, is as we obviously get ready to hit harvest in, in our neck of the woods. We know there's been um, some early harvest that's been underway. But let's start out looking at, at what's happening with post-holiday on this trade. And Mike, we're going to jump in with you. First of all, what's your thoughts? Markets are closed till uh, Tuesday morning.
1: Yeah, it seems like, to me, the pre-holiday trade went home worrying about the fresh China lockdowns, worrying about the new 20-year high in the dollar, worrying about demand and and what commodity demand could do in terms of being hurt because of a variety of issues. And I felt as though we kind of put the weather, not just the U.S. weather, but the whole Northern Hemisphere weather and Argentina's weather kind of Uh, On the back burner. And so for me, post holiday trade, I told clients and subscribers Thursday and Friday, I'd really like us to move away from that macro and demand fear um, and move back towards the weather and the supply. And I'd like specifically to see the wheat market to pick up where it left off from the middle of the week when it was really starting to move higher and lead the whole complex higher and get away from some major support levels uh, drawn off the 2020 lows. So that's kind of what I'd like to do. And and, then one of the things that I'm looking at, technically speaking, that I would be disappointed with is corn and beans on their lead month futures both held up their weekly uh, chart supports of their 52-week moving averages. I'd like to keep those technically intact as we close out next
0: week. So for you, Sean, do you have any post-holiday um, concerns or thoughts going into Tuesday's trade?
2: We think there's a potential for a serious frost risk late next week, and that could really excite the markets again. And, and like Mike said, get it away from this macro influence that we've been seeing. We're this big typhoon that's going through. Uh, it's going to be going through uh, Korea here. It's a big typhoon. It looks like it's going to recurve and enter the northern hemisphere airflow. Whenever this has happened in the past, it tends to create a Diving down effect of polar air, and it looks like we have the perfect setup for a really serious cold air snap late next week. And there's a lot of late maturing northern tier grains that could be vulnerable. And boy, that sure would shake the market up and get it back on the weather track that we sort of got derailed here late this week.
0: Why not? You know, Mother Nature's throwing everything else (laughs) at us at this point. Why not uh, throw some frost into it? Well, what she has thrown in, and I found this very interesting. And Sean, you talk about a volcano underground, I mean, underwater, that's having an effect on what we're seeing in our atmosphere.
2: Yeah, most of the time, big volcanic eruptions produce sulfur dioxide in in the stratosphere and actually create a global cooling effect. We've seen this, Mount Punatubo, Krakatoa. This particular one was a massive volcano underwater that instead of putting sulfur dioxide in the stratosphere, it pumped record amounts of water vapor, in fact, you have to go back a thousand years, we've never seen this much water vapor pumped into the stratosphere at one time. It's a heating effect. We know that water vapor is one of those powerful greenhouse gases. It retains, wheat, absorbs heat and keeps heat from within. And NASA did a wonderful paper that described how this could cause a warming effect, or an extreme heating effect that amplifies La Nina or El Nino. So like this year, serious heat in the, in the deep south here in the U.S. Very, very record heat over in Europe, record heat in China. But next year, as the El Nino arrives, places like Australia, places like Southeast Asia, places like India could be looking at similar historic uh, heat spikes. And so that's something that's really not happened in a thousand years. And it's going to impact our weather and continue to impact our weather for at least a couple of years because this water vapor will not leave the stratosphere for at least several years.
0: Interesting. Uh, when you look at, how, how does this, do you see it affecting then agriculture? You and I talked about that earlier this week during during another report.
2: Well, look, we've been experiencing historic weather volatility here since 2019. One of the reasons, as you know, S- Susan, is because of this grand solar cycle minimum that we're in, where the sunspots are at a, a lower level and it creates a change in the upper airflow. This is going to take what we're already experiencing, this inability to get a good crop going and it's going to blow out the volatility even further at a time when stocks are low and worries over you know feed supply is is, is 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 very concerning so for example this southern drought in china where they grow all the rice it's something that could really uh create a significant shift rice is the only thing keeping the world fed and if we get a really really bad rice crop in china looks like, like it looks like we're going to get It could make cheap available rice go away. And then we enter a different phase of this food scarcity worry that we've been in since Russia invaded Ukraine.
0: Well, as we continue here at the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, Mike, there's been a lot of chatter, especially here at State Fair. I've been talking to producers and they're worried about fertilizer production and what's been happening in Europe.
1: Yeah, and I think they should be Susan. About a week ago, I sent out a text blast to clients and subscribers to have them lock in their spring 2023 needs for fertilizer. I'd never done that and in, in doing this in my line of work for, you know, over 25 years. Um, and I was very nervous about doing it because uh, you know it's looking around the corner and probably the most volatile commodity that we've seen since maybe corn in 2012. And I think historically speaking, the natural gas market in Europe could lead them into a depression. Uh, And and I would not be surprised to hear a lot of people start to talk about the early to mid 1930s uh, and compare Europe to that time period if the worst case scenario happens with natural taking the European economy down sharply. So back to the natural gas and the fertilizer recommendation, I had several clients call me and say that uh, we were a week too late that uh, fertilizer bids had been pulled because of what was happening over in Europe, and they cannot get a price for their fertilizer right now. So I think grain producers and livestock producers probably have that as their number one um, gray rhino, something we know about, but we don't know how it's going to shake out. Probably the number one gray rhino out there as we go into 2023. And I'm fearful that if we don't get rains this next 10 days in the United States and and for the lesser degree, Europe, even um, we're going to lose even more corn yield in terms of test weights and even more tip back because that crop was very, very immature north of I-80 based upon what the Pro Farmer Tour showed us.
0: You know, my brother who lives outside of London has said right now, everybody on the news there is talking, it's going to be heat or eat. And I think it shows how drastic in the concern it is that's going on there.
1: So speaking, I, oh, go ahead. I Just to follow up, I, I think what you just said and what Sean said a minute ago, I, I don't think it's um, weird or strange that the trade maybe backed off their fears of a food crisis because we've had five straight months down in food prices as measured by the United Nations. And I just feel like that and the and Ukrainian situation are ready to kind of blow up in our face again. I think we've really brushed off Ukraine and the lack of supplies coming out and the new crop potential coming out of the Baltic next year.
0: Lots of things that we're looking at. I wanted to ask, and Sean, I'll jump over to you for a second to start with. uh, Guys are looking at dry down costs. I mean, it's already been an expensive crop to grow, but there's fears about, about these fuel costs for them heading into this fall.
2: Well, if we look at energy, what would crude oil be if we weren't selling the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, Susan? What would oil, what would oil prices be? What would gas prices be? What would diesel prices be? They'd be substantially higher. And once we stop selling, either because we've sold all we can or have decided it's no longer politically correct to do it, energy prices to me seem to be having a potential to really spike higher again. And of course, that would be occurring right at the time that we'd be wanting to, you know do a lot of things with energy, with uh, agriculture, and I just worry that this energy situation, including natural gas, as Michael talked about overseas and how that plays into our market, um, the energy side of the equation is just so important to the economy and to the cost of production that I just don't think this energy has been put to rest, even though you know many think that it has, I think it's artificial and it won't last.
0: Well, I know, Mike, There's a USDA report that we're all used to kind of getting and then we've got a little trickles of of nuggets of China or excuse me, unknown uh, looking to buy. But now we're hearing that it might be September 15th or later or we might never ever see this report come back. How is that going to weigh in on this trade?
1: I think this is gonna make the volatility even greater and it kind of fits into what Sean was talking about a minute ago. And I think this goes back to what we've talked about a lot this year, Susan, between you and I, and that's the futures versus the cash extremes. We've brought those two together for the most part during the summer. The, the cash has stayed strong and the futures have has migrated towards the cash. Things like lost data and government data that's relied upon every week, especially in the livestock sector, Um, But to a lesser degree, the grain sector, uh, if you take that data away, I think you're going to find more price extremes and you're going to find a futures market that becomes more out of touch because they don't have that physical data anymore. I remember when the USDA took away the weekly grain um, uh, commercial grain stocks report, I believe it was on Mondays, one of the best reports you could use to compare and contrast what was really in the bins with commercials ahead of the quarterly grain stocks report. And I think we've sorely missed that for almost a dozen years now. I think it was taken away.
0: Lots of interesting things that we talked about this week, gentlemen. Uh, real fast, uh, nutshell. What's the one thing you want to look for come come Tuesday, Mike?
1: I, as I said, I think this technicals on the weekly charts, and also that post-holiday wheat-led or bean-led trade higher.
2: Sean, for you. I'm really going to be looking at the weather maps to, to see if we really are verifying this typhoon uh, potential for a major frost late next week. I think if that market starts to pick up on that, that'll be the big driver next week.
0: All right. Just a reminder, folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's been this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.